Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. Jen and I know from our Facebook groups, from my family coaching clients, from her writing her book, we know, because we talk to lots of parents, that you're worried about screen time, you're worried about school. But do you know what your kids are worried about? Our guest today is going to tell us because she's interviewed hundreds of tweens and teens. So stay tuned after this message, we'll get right into it. What do your kids think you should be spending your parental time and energy and focus on? Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? You may have one of those children like my niece who ate only macaroni and cheese for about six of her formative years. <laughs> Many kids kind of fixate on one particular food and you are tearing your hair out, dear listeners, trying to make sure that they have a balanced diet. Our kids need more nutrition than we are able to give them in their regular diet. Which is why so many of us look to vitamins to fill those gaps. And so many of us, myself included, have been dissatisfied with what we find on the shelves. Kaya Health, they have chewable vitamins for kids that are non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gluten-free, nut-free, all of that. And they fill in the gaps in modern children's diets in a chewable vitamin that kids love. This is a pediatrician approved, super powered chewable vitamin. It was created by two dads that were tired of children's vitamins that actually cause more problems than they solve. So with these vitamins, with Haya Health, you know that you're getting zero sugar and zero gummy junk and yet it tastes great and it's perfect for picky eaters. We've worked with Haya Health and we have an exclusive offer for you. If you go to Haya Health and use the onboys code at checkout, you can get 50% off your first order. Go to Haya Health, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com 
and enter on boys to get that 50% off. The discount will be applied at the checkout. And now on boys. We hear from concerned parents all the time in our Facebook groups with my family coaching clients that their top concerns with their boys seems to be screen time, video games, and school. A lot of parental time and energy is devoted to dealing with and finding solutions to those two issues. But is that really the best, most effective use of your parental time and energy? And more importantly, is this where our kids think we should be focusing our parental time and energy? Our guest today has interviewed hundreds of tweens and teens, uncovering the pressures that they feel to strive, not because they necessarily want to, but because it is what their parents and society expects them to do. So they are striving and dealing with rising depression rates and more severe anxiety at ever younger ages, but they're not thriving. As one 12 year old boy said, it's like we're being produced to be test takers. We're missing the pieces on how to be people. Or the 16 year old who said, we are college and career ready, but we are sure aren't human ready. So how do we focus our parental time and energy in raising kids who thrive? Our guest today is an educational psychologist, mom of three grown sons and a best-selling author, most recently of Thrivers, the surprising reasons why some kids struggle and others shine. Welcome, Dr. Michelle Borba. Oh, thank you. I've been looking so forward to this. Mom of three boys. I did it, guys. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> they grow up so fast, by the way. I'm sitting there listening to you about what we're putting our time and energy and concerns upon. Oh, in the end, my mom kept saying, it's going to go quickly. And it did. And then you could take it all back. It's a whole different entity of what we should be putting our energy into. Yeah. So you asked for your book, you asked kids to yeah. tell you about their generation. What did you hear from them? Absolute honesty is the number one thing. And I think, first of all, if you ask a kid, you'll be surprised at how forthright and wonderful they are. Maybe it's because I'm the outsider and I said, I'll change your name. But as soon as you say, tell me what life is like. The first thing I was really uh, struck by, particularly boys, is how honest they were and how stressed they were. And mm. they were afraid, many of them, to tell their parents because when I said, why? Oh, this is the one that'll hurt our hearts. They didn't want to disappoint us. Yeah. So I think that's a big issue that we've got to acknowledge it. By the way, I had just finished writing this book and then came the pandemic. And a mm -hmm. crisis only amplifies pre-existing issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing I was, I was struck by is how many of them, particularly, I remember this kid in Greensboro, incredible kid, boy, uh, again, who said, you know, somebody really need to teach us coping skills. <laughs> he was nailing us. I said, come on, your school is doing SEL programs. You've got a huge health unit. And he said, yeah, but you don't learn this stuff in a textbook. You got to help us practice it over and over again. And would you please give us a repertoire of stuff? Koosh balls do not work when carrying around. You've got to help us learn stuff that we can do in the here and now. And I went, whoa, wow. that was another interesting one. And a final one that was just extraordinary, wonderful, well-loved kids, by the way, every one of these boys. But this was a kid uh, in Pennsylvania who just been accepted to Ivy League. I mean, he was destined to have it all. And I said, okay, there was a focus group of boys. I said, what are you worried about? What are you most worried about? And this kid said, flunking life. 
I said, come <gasps> on, you've just been wow. accepted to the Ivy League of Ivy League. He said, yeah, but how the heck am I going to run a microwave? I don't know how to do my checkbook. My parents have been doing everything for me. Yeah, I got to there, but I hope I stay there because I'm worried about how do you get along with life? So it was interesting on a, on a thing that was completely flipping what we put our priorities and concerns about and what these kids were saying, here's what really matters. And that's what's so interesting to us. You know, I, I'm still dealing with raising of children. I have counting. There's one in the house at the moment, but there's been three home during the pandemic. And you had a 15 year old uh, just turned 18. The 20 year old is pandemic here. So I'm still in the trenches. Janet works with families all the time. I hear from families. And as you said, the people that we are hearing from are the people that care a lot. They are really well-meaning. They want to do right by their boys. How did we get this so wrong? Well, it wasn't an overnight process. It was a slow, gradual process along the way. First of all, the culture changed. Uh, it's a whole, you know, Mayberry is dead and everything we used to do way <laughs> I, back Michelle, I have to stop. I only laughed because the town I live in is named Mayville. Oh, it is a that. town of 5,000 <laughs> and it has been nicknamed Mayberry because it's awfully similar. So right. it's not entirely dead. All right. Let me change the thing then. Okay. The era of June Cleaver is long gone. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> When we were there, we were, I mean, we ourselves as moms have been revved up in terms of exhausted, doing it all. That's the mm -hmm. first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the culture that supported our kids is, is gone. So we don't have that. Where's yeah. the village? And we find mm -hmm. that extremely difficult. And then came the pandemic, which really killed off the village. But I think the other thing that really is to our disadvantage is many of the parenting books, and I'm one of those parenting authors who wrote 24 books, a lot of the things that I'm seeing other parenting books have doesn't go with the science. Mm. So we got backtracked of not getting what's the latest things that will help us raise strong kids. Uh, and that became a real disadvantage for us. Yeah. Not one thing, a combination. It's this seismic shift that happened along the way. And, for, and the other thing I think in terms of mommying, we become really lonely. Uh, we've yes. been doing so much of it ourselves. I don't think in all fairness that other moms necessarily support each other as we should be doing. So it's just this rude combination. In the end, we're doing the most important role of our lives, trying to raise solid, great sons. And it's, uh, it's a tough role. And we do it without a handbook. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. We all start and we don't know what to do. And nobody hands us a copy of Thrivers when oh, we're well, at the hospital you. or the birth center. I think that's the thing that, that hit me is that I think we've been hit with, we're given a lot of different, uh, here's do this, 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 this. But in the end, what I don't see is the book that says, or the science that says, or the guide that says, here's how to raise a resilient kid who's going to be able to make it without you. And in today's very, very uncertain world, I think we all need to hit reset on our parenting. Because mm. if it's not a pandemic, who knows what the next thing is going to be down the way in the pike. Mm. Our own childhoods are dramatically different than the ones that we're raising our kids. And so it means that we need to step up to the plate, flip, maybe pivot a little bit and realize uh, it's going to be an uncertain world. Look, I've never been more concerned about kids 
And that was prior to this pandemic and COVID. Mm -hmm. I I was looking at one in five American kids going to be struck with some kind of a mental health disorder. But I think the thing that really struck me of the urgency is first when I started interviewing kids, particularly boys, my gosh, their honesty was unbelievable. But I got a phone call that was so devastating that the urgency went up to the octane level. And it was uh, some moms from, I can't even, it's so distressing, uh, in Arizona that said, mm-hmm. you've got to get here. You have to get here. We're living in a suicide belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're dealing with, oh my gosh, yeah. in a 20 mile radius, 40 of our children have killed themselves. Yeah. Now, we talked to Katie McPherson. Yeah, sure. I love Katie. So Katie's we talked awesome. to Katie McPherson yep. about that a, a while ago, and I'll put that link in our show notes because listeners, if you've not listened to it yet, I know it is difficult to think about suicide and to hear these stories. It is heartbreaking, but it is crucially important because as you're saying, Michelle, this is what our kids are living with. This is what they are experiencing, this level of distress. And they're hiding it. Too often they're hiding it. Here's the other thing that happened that went up a notch to that story is that Dr. Phil had me on for an hour on Thrivers and unbelievable. He said, this is the only book that every parent should read. I went, oh my gosh, I can quit right now. But he also brought in two moms from Arizona Mm -hmm. whose Mm -hmm. sons had killed themselves. And it was so horrific. But the one thing that both of them said, if I could do it all over again, I'd raise my kid to become resilient. That's what that what yeah. I, I did wrong. And I went, oh, my gosh. So anyway, here's the moment. Let's move on from there or we'll sit our self and cry our way through. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's hard. Well, so tell us about this sitting out there listening to this podcast. Where do I start? What do I focus on? I've been, um, you know, trying to support my son in school and helping him get his homework done and all the things and sports and where do, where do I pivot as that mom? What you do I pivot do? number one by prioritizing mental health. And maybe there we're in this amazing moment when we realize we do, we probably internally known it, or we've had those little red flags up as moms. And then all of a sudden this pandemic hit and what we've been seeing is unprecedented rise in suicide, depression, anxiety amongst our kids. But the second thing is we have got to get a new mindset that says we can do this. I think the biggest thing when I talk to parents along the way, almost every night I'm doing some kind of a Zoom or a webinar. And the fascinating thing is when I start talking about resilience, I've got to then spend the first five minutes helping them buy into it is teachable. It's not Mm -hmm. locked into DNA. It's not an IQ thing. It's not one program. It's one, it's not one trait and it's not one year. It's not, you got to do it at age 13. This is an ongoing experience Mm -hmm. that we can do. And it's not going to be hard, nor do you need a PhD as a parent in order to do it. So when you get that, that was the buy-in and my aha moment when I was writing Thrivers. I started looking at longitudinal studies that were mind-boggling, that we've never been exposed to, that studied cohorts of kids from birth until 40 years later. I mean, they studied the same kids for 40, 50 years. And they studied kids and identified those growing in extremely adverse environments. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, poverty, homelessness, schizophrenic parents, and voila, They were blown away that many of them were making it despite the adversity. Then the key question was why? Why? And it wasn't the DNA. It wasn't the zip code. It wasn't, are you single or divorced as a parent? It wasn't the age of the parent. It wasn't the income of the parent. What it was are three things. Number one is the parent was there for that child who refused to give up on that child, who was a caring, calm 
champion. I'm there mm. for you and I'm not giving up. By the way, if it wasn't the parent, the second on the list was the teacher. They do make a difference on our kids' lives. The second thing was some kind of a safe haven. And it was interesting because I, I started researching kids. I have this incredible opportunity to fly the world from Beirut to refugee camps to genocide in Rwanda. I'm telling you, it was fascinating. And I discovered the same thing. If the kid had a safe haven, some place to go to that maybe it wasn't the home because the home was in distress or the home mm. was, look, we've had some tough times. Grandma, COVID, who knows what's happening? Financial destitution, our business just closed. We're stressed. Does your kid have any place else to go? Mm. Uh, and it could be many of the kids said it was a boys and girls club. It was mm. a youth minister or it was the mom next door. Do they have any kind of a safe haven where they can breathe? But the other thing that brings us to the plate was they'd learn what I now call protective buffers. That's what Thrivers has, is the entire book is, what are the science-backed things that are gonna help protect your kids against stress? And when the challenge comes, and it will, what's gonna help your kid more likely to get over it, through it, and keep on going? Because a Thriver to me is a kid who says, I got this. And once I started picking those up, I discovered there were seven strengths that matter most from birth to whenever, in fact, it's not too late to us. So don't worry. We still have a chance. If we're, thinking, we're not so resilient ourselves. And the second thing is we can teach these at any age and they're going to make a major difference, maximize the difference in our kids' lives. I loved your phrase, protective buffers. We recently had Jessica Leahy on talking about her oh, book, The Addiction Inoculation, and she talks about protective factors as well. The beautiful thing about all of these conversations is that they're essentially the same, the same strategies that we can use to inoculate our kids, um, to decrease the risk of uh, substance use disorders, the same things that will help them thrive. So it's not like Jessica's yes. on here saying you have to do X, Y, and Z, and then you come and say, well, actually, we also have to do F, K, L, and M. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it's like overwhelmed. Why bother? Yes. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is there is a really immersed, fabulous research that isn't just one study. I was looking at my desk became post-it notes of trying to figure out what's the commonalities of each one of these studies. Mm -hmm. And then once I figured out the commonalities, I got rid of anything that wasn't teachable. I don't care if, you know, whatever it is, if it's like he's, he did it at age 13, so what? And he had something that was locked into his temperament, forget it. I want teachable stuff. That's where I came up with the seven. The same seven are ones also that create a stronger relationship with us. So there's a win-win in your mm -hmm. own home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they inoculate against peer pressure, the bullying, the stress, the anxiety, the addiction, all the above. But the fascinating thing is I had my whoa. They also help your kid become a peak performer in the classroom. So we put so much hype into the cognitive side that we've forgotten that, hey, it isn't either or it's both. You got to help the kid inside the room, classroom as well as outside. And that's a win-win for us all. So now we can breathe and go, we got this. We can do it. So our listeners are wondering, what are those seven strengths? <laughs> 
seven strengths. And here we go. Let me just go through them real quickly and then we can pick them through. Awesome. First is confidence and it doesn't make any difference which order. So don't worry. And the second thing is breathe. You don't need all seven. You got it. So <laughs> take of the guilt. Okay. Number one is confidence. The kid has a strong knowing of who he is, what his strengths are, and focus more on your son's strengths as opposed to their weaknesses. It's going to build them up because resilient thrivers think who, not what, who I am, not what I'm going to do. Empathy mm. is number two, fascinating along the way. Many of us think our, our sons don't have it. Nah, they have a different kind of empathy. A lot of them have that cognitive side where they're more serious. They try to step into the other kid's shoes. Yeah, that's what we want. Because by the way, Harvard says that's a top employability factor. There's different ways to show empathy, but social competence is key to thriving. And your son does not need 50,000 friends or most popular, but he needs mm -hmm. a couple of loyal buddies who are yeah. going to backlog and be there for him. Third is self-control. And that's what every boy I interviewed said, that's what we need. But don't give us that touchy-feely stuff. That mindfulness maybe works for some kids. Meditation works for others. Give us what they said, a repertoire of stuff. Then let us choose what works for us. Oh, that was like gold mine. Wow. And, and don't give us the same stuff that works for you, mom. It's got to be what works for me. Find what works for me. Because that, for a thriver, keeps the lid on impulses so they can think straight and regulate. Mm. Fourth, I love is integrity. Integrity is a kid, a thriver, who has a strong moral code. So when the peer pressure comes, he doesn't have to wiver and waver. He goes, I got this. I can say no to it because that's what I stand for. Five, oh, my favorite, curiosity. Thrivers are open-ended kind of kids. They're open to ideas and possibilities. So when the problem comes, and it will, they don't quit. They brainstorm. They find a way around it and through it. You've taught the kid, just storm your brain. It's in there, sweetie pie, and come up with it and now work your way through. Then comes perseverance. Keep on going. Don't quit. And you don't need a trophy and a gold star to get there. So just <laughs> do it and focus on the kid's effort, not on the end product. And finally, optimism and hope. Oh my gosh, don't we all need it? Mm -hmm. But finding optimism, not that you're yeah. raising your kid to be a little Mr. Pollyanna type. He's got to have a reality base, but he also needs to find a silver lining along the way. And it's been a year of gloom. Let's start yeah. exposing the kids to the good stuff. And he mm -hmm. will all of them be able to get through it. Those are teachable. You know, I have certainly have not done everything right in my parenting and any of my children who happen to ever discover this episode, see, I admit that in person, not perfect. <laughs> However, I do feel like that I have done some things right. And Janet, you and I have talked before. My youngest son in particular, he's 15 now. He spends a lot of time in my garage. Truthfully, he's practically taken over my garage. He works out there. He has a lawn mowing business. He took apart a snowmobile oh, and rebuilt oh, it this oh. winter. Uh, four wheelers, like it, all this stuff. This is why I value that time for him so much. You talk about self-confidence and him identifying his strengths. He's mechanical. He's He always has been. This is what he loves. So it's how he can develop that. The curiosity and openness to problems. He is better actually when confronted with a problem and something that's not working than I am in a lot of ways, because when he works on these machines, you know, it, things don't work out right. I mean, he started taking part of snowmobile at age 14. What does he know? So he constantly has to try and reach out and figure things out. And so I mm -hmm. know that he is building these skills. 
do I still occasionally get calls from school? Janet, what's the answer to that question? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a very interesting sideline conversation with the dean of students the other day who said, hey, did he tell you about his latest referral? And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Good but I Sam. do have confidence that he will be able to handle life. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B Y. H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. Okay. I'm loving this and I'm loving this for you just described your son. I don't, I didn't know him, but I picked the exact same in my head. I said confidence, curiosity together. And you know, what's cool about him. My aha moment also was when I was finally pulled these seven, I realized when you add two together, it's crazy multiplier effect. So it's not one or the other. It amplifies. So you've got confidence plus curiosity. Wah. And you've got a kid. Stephen Jobs start out the same way, tinkering in the garage. In the garage, yeah. Uh, I love that because the other thing that happens, and it go one step more, Emmy Werner, fabulous research on resilience, says one thing about 
why that's also valuable. First, he's discovering himself and he's got confidence, but yes. it also is this glorious commodity called a hobby which is mm -hmm. highly correlated to resilience. I asked a group of middle really? school kids. Yeah, you use the hobby to decompress. You know what I can do to, to get rid of the stress. He doesn't need a koosh ball. He goes and tinkers in the garage. Mm -hmm. Koosh balls are cheaper than his hobbies, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but think of the outcome, mom. But the thing about it is I asked middle school kids, what's your hobby? And they all looked at me dumbfounded. What's a hobby? Who's got time for a hobby? Because they we don't. kind of- we've kind of put him into so many things and other things. Here's a couple of points about self-confidence and why what you're doing just fits right into it. It's got to go with who your kid is, not what you want them to become. Second of all, it takes a while. It takes a while to figure out, I love to do that. Once you know who your kid is, discovering something, not only does your child know who he is, but you've discovered who your kid is. So there's mm -hmm. a win-win. Number three is you don't have to go say, go to the garage, sweetie pie. He goes on his own yeah. because he's figured out how to decompress. Now, the takeaway to anybody is take a moment, take a three by five card and walk around and watch your kid without him knowing you're tracking things. What does he gravitate towards? What brings him joy? What is he more interested in? What does he say? Mom, I can't go for the chocolate cake right now. I have to finish this project. Not because he's getting graded for it, but because he has joy and interest in it. You're more likely to, if you want a happy critter, you're more likely to be happy, us as well, and be in that what's called a flow state, Mm -hmm. which is supreme happiness and you won't quit. Now you come perseverance because there's the other track that you forgot mm -hmm. your kid also has. He's going to be more eager and keep on going and not quit because he's got the confidence and the curiosity and mm -hmm. it all goes together. So the first thing is figure out what your child loves to do. And if he doesn't have <laughs> one, don't feel guilty. Start introducing maybe family hobbies. This is when you can mm -hmm. get great aunt Sally to, you know, maybe come in and say, I'll, I'll, I'll offer baking or barbecuing. And uncle Fred can say, how about me? I'll do woodworking and do a zoom one until yeah. you figure out what your child loves to do. And don't please assume because you don't like it, that it's not something your kid does. Right. Like. My favorite yeah. story in Thrivers was a dad who said, my son, middle school, drove me crazy because all he talked about was wolves. What middle school kid talks about wolves? But he talked about it so much, he told me he dreamt about wolves. I finally said, okay, I'm going to arrange to have him meet with a park ranger. And enough is enough on this wolf thing. I took him to a park. I sat there and listened and was blown away. My mouth was open the entire time. My kid and that park ranger talked about wolves at a level that I was unre unreal. He was politely correcting the park ranger <laughs> statistics about wolves. And that was my moment that said, forget law, forget law. This kid's going into biology. Yeah. I'm so glad I figured out who my child was. So I have to interject here because I'm thinking of all my family coaching clients, many of them who are, you know, this would be great if they'd be interested in wolves or they'd be out in the garage, but they're in their bedrooms playing video games. Yep. Oh man, what do we do? How do we dynamite them out of there? Well, and of, yeah, I, 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 my head is nodding up and down and up and down, but, mm -hmm. but, but on a couple of levels. Mm -hmm. uh, level number one is we do know that the pandemic has done something major in terms of tweaking us all and turning us into a different hub beings. But many of our kids 
became addicted to those games even more so. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing is, what was your before the pandemic? What is your now after the pandemic? Is he using that video game because he doesn't have anything to go to? That would be your red flag. Mm -hmm. Your second red flag is the change in the behavior. Is he playing the video game? And after he gets done, are you seeing a healthier side? Or are you seeing a more active side that is not uh, attractive for your child? That's your next red flag. Does he have anything else to resort to? That's your red flag because you can't play a video game the rest of your life. And therefore, what New York Times just came out with a fabulous, interesting article on it that said, watch out. You need to start taking back that screen time rules in your house, because when those school doors do open, you got to get them out into the real world because they haven't been practicing their empathy muscles or their social skill mm-hmm. muscles and they become addicted to it. You may want to do one other little thing, and that's play it with him for mm-hmm. just a little bit so you can see what the heck is he playing. And in some cases, in some cases, there are some studies that say it actually helps the kid, not hinders the kid. That's what you're watching for. For instance, there are some video games that that are enormously wonderful on boosting creativity, problem solving skills, and virtual reality of empathy. So there are some take a moment to say, what is he playing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, Janet, I always put this caveat in for some kids, video games are their thing. I have a brother yeah, who's yeah. a video game designer, Michelle, yeah, and he uh, was see? the kid who played video yeah. games all the time. Yeah. That's not every kid. And we do hear from a lot of people that my boy's not interested in anything. If I didn't, he would never. And I'm yeah. sure you've heard those things too. Yes. One thing that I have seen is that often we adults, teachers and parents, again, very well-meaning, we squash our boys' interests before they even have a chance to emerge. Yeah. We hinder them. Yeah. Um, how can we as the grown-ups, be aware of doing that? You know, what, what should we maybe not do so much to allow some things to blossom and come forth? Well, uh, let me give you what the, what the boys say. Perfect. Because <laughs> they're Better just yet. wonderful. The boys say, give us time. The boys say, mom... Sometimes it's better (laughs) if you don't say anything, if you just stand there and be with me. It's okay if you just be with me, but sometimes you just may say the wrong thing. Now that's okay. If you say the right thing, that's absolutely fine. Boys say, please don't keep helicoptering us. I can't Mm. believe how many boys knew that term. You're helicoptering us. You're always doing it for us and you're robbing us of learning it ourselves. That was like, I started writing notes on how many times that term kept coming up. I said, you know that term? Oh yeah, we know that term. And it doesn't help us any because we got to figure out how to face adversity, you know? It's going to be part of our world. They said that. A group of 17-year-olds, in fact, one kid, this is prior to the pandemic, he said, I said, so what's the most valuable thing that happens? The most valuable thing that happens if you sort of step back a little bit, give us a little bit of time and watch us to see if it gives uh, how we respond to it. And then he asked us, why do you like it? Mm-hmm. Don't second guess. What is it about you like that? Fascinating as one boy said, um, whose mom had been helicoptering. Oh gosh, we can all be guilty of that. I said, so what helped you? He said, we had to, I was in a leadership academy and they make you go during the summer to an adversity camp, like, like outward bound. He Mm. said, it was absolutely amazing. I never realized the things that I could do myself. He said, that was my moment. 
I went in as a boy, quote unquote, and came out as a man. I said, why? Wow. He said, because I had no idea that of the qualities that I had. So I think what many moms are saying is the most, and far, if dads, excuse me, if you're a dad listening, you're there, boy, uh, uh, is go to, in the chapter, there's a core asset survey that many parents say is the most valuable thing in the book. It's just taking a moment, four pages to figure out who my kid is. What yeah. is his learning styles? What does he gravitate towards? What are his character strengths? Boys, we underrate those. You're yes. kind, you're generous, you're honest, you're respectful, you're responsible. Uh, my gosh, the most amazing thing is a Harvard study that interviewed hundreds of middle school and high school kids about what's most important in your family, that you get the grade, that you're happy, that you're kind and caring. And what they said was the bottom of the list was kind and caring. Yeah. And when we asked the boys, they said, well, as soon as we come home, the first question is what you get. They don't acknowledge yeah. oh, what kind thing did you try or what respectful mm -hmm. thing did you do or how did you help somebody else? And when they ask the parents, isn't this important? Only 20% of you said kindness and caring mattered. And they all went, of course it matters. The problem is our messages aren't sinking into our kids. So maybe another thing is stop, push, pause, and listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. What are you Ooh. emphasizing? Stop, push, pause, and listen to yourself. I wanted to emphasize that because that is super powerful. And parents, you will likely think of that, you know, 10 minutes after you just had this fight with your oh, kid. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Stop, push, pause, listen to yourself. The more you hear that, eventually you're going to do a little bit of reflecting on what you're hearing. We've all had these moments, parents, where we're like, oh my gosh, I have turned into my mother, or I can't believe I'm saying these things. There's part of us that we still do remember how we wanted to be treated when we were younger yeah. people. Yeah. And, and that's true today yet, Michelle. Our kids want to be seen as capable humans. Well, here's the commonality of thrivers. One commonality, they have agency. They mm. all have a sense of, I got this, not mom's gonna do it for me. Now that does not start at age two, but we're great at age two when they fall, you got it, get up, keep going. We immediately applaud the kid for keep on moving. Mm -hmm. And then we stop doing that along the way. But the commonality of a child is not waiting for somebody else to do it. You develop that confidence from the inside out because you know, I got it. And that's mm -hmm. that self-efficacy sense of control. Now, how does that have to do with stress? The more you feel like you got it, as opposed to somebody else is going to do it for me, it reduces your stress and builds your confidence and actually increases your, uh, your sense of optimism about the world. Simple little things. In fact, fabulous studies are being done now at University of Penn, eight, and, eight through 10-year-olds. Eight through 10 year olds, we think, oh my gosh, that's too early. But if we catch their worry thoughts at eight and 10, I can't do it. Oh gosh, I'm just, this is going to be terrible. I can't tell you how many boys told me that they catastrophize everything. They always think mm. of the worst thing possible and everything's going to go wrong. But University of Penn now says if you can have a kid at starting at eight, catch the worry and start realizing that your thought is going to impact your behavior and your emotion. And how do you do that? Not time out. It's just simply maybe a quiet signal between the two of you or as a household, don't go knowledging just the kid who's the negative Nelly, but you know, watch out, Alfred, you're being negative again. But <laughs> the whole family point out to each other and it could be a thumbs up, thumbs down sign. Mm. If it's a thumbs down, what they discovered is now turn it around and give me th two thumbs up, two positive things or start hearing that 
because if your pessimism becomes permanent, not temporary, your pessimism becomes pervasive, not every once in a while. It robs mm. your son of hope. And that's what they desperately need mm. in the world. They've had a year of doom and gloom where all they've seen every day when they turned on the TV was a daily death count. They've watched live murders. Can you imagine? And you think, oh my gosh, my kid didn't watch it. Oh, yeah. Chances they are they've heard about it or they watched it someplace yeah, else. They, did. they may not have processed it with you. And um, a group of boys, let me give you the simplest one on this one. Right before the pandemic, it was a Long Island high school. And I walked into the quad and they were all mulled around boys in their you know, big time uh, outfits of, you know, a football player ready to go to soccer, whatever. And they were staring up at a plasma TV screen that was huge. And I looked at it and it was video images. So I pulled one boy aside and I said, what is that? And said, well, it's our new plasma TV screen that we convinced the superintendent to put up there. I said, well, what are you guys watching? They said, we got so tired of watching the bad stuff. We told the superintendent, can you put up a plasma TV? So when we walk in, we look up and it's just good news. I went, oh, oh my oh. God. And bless the superintendent because she said, I bought it. And it's the most popular thing in the school. They go through the inner quad, walk in the front door and start staring at the screen. And it's nothing but images that I find on Google that are live images of kids, kids who are doing cool, wonderful things in the world. And they walk in doomed and gloom with the stress. They look up and they start to smile and then they keep on marching. I'm going, oh my gosh, have wow. we forgot the simple stuff. That's an easy thing that we can incorporate at breakfast, at dinner, drives exactly. to school. Just simply say, make it a point to bring up the positive stories. Yeah. I don't always think to do that. Well, here's a cool thing you can do. Back page of the newspaper, if never on the front page, back of the newspaper in about a one inch story are stories about incredible kids. Find kids, find stories about real other kids, ideally their age. I did this with the middle school and I can't tell you how many boys came up with me crying, Aww. pulling out the, the tears, trying to make sure that nobody else saw them, but they would whisper, thank you. We don't see the good stuff nearly enough. Now I know mm. what I can do to make a difference. I'm going, oh, how cool. There's a group of boys in Chicago, Glenbard, who are so concerned about some of their friends who they know are distressed and, dis and stressed and depressed during COVID. So what they decided to do is come up with a text chain of which friends they should worry about. Then every day they're coming up with what they call quarantine gift bags. I said, what's in it? They said, well, one kid's really good at graphic design. So he designs the front of the, it's a lunch bag. The other kid's really good at notes. So he writes a handwritten note. Another kid's got a mom who bakes great cookies. So we ask her to put in some cookies. And then every day we drop a bag off at the driveway of one other kid. I said, wow. how's it work? He said, you won't believe it. Every day, the kid cries, calls, almost sobbing. Thank you. I didn't know anybody cared. And then don't tell anybody. But every day we cry because we know we're making a difference and then we got to do it again and again and again. See, you're inspiring. That's boys in Chicago. They're just like we underrate these incredible human beings. They mm -hmm. are fabulous kids. Give them the opportunity and say, what can you do? Once they say it, don't say, well, here's what you should try. What do you want to do? Yeah. And once it's, what do you want to do? 
Well, the only thing the mother did on that one is go out to the dollar store and buy a whole bunch of bags for the boys. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. the only thing. Thank you for telling me. I got it. I'll do it. Wow. Wow. Now we're all sitting here with little right? tears uh, in our eyes. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness, Michelle. Woo okay. So I'm a parent. I want to do better. I want to do different. I'm going to buy your book or ask for it from my library, Thrivers. And then what? And what I mean by that is I think we need yeah. to acknowledge that it yeah. is not just as easy as read the book and boom. Oh, it's not all better. Oh, this no, is no, long term. No. First of all, applaud yourself because you've decided to raise a thriver. That's the first step to all of this. And we forget that. Second step is maybe find a like-minded mom so you can do this together. Mm. We're so darn lonely, but one of the, or pass it on to grandma. She'll buy into this like lots of <laughs> Third thing is go to the core asset survey at the beginning and find out who your kid is. Just take a moment to figure out who this wonderful child is. And then you'll also discover what his strengths are and weaknesses. Don't go immediately going, okay, I got to go for the weakness. No, mm -hmm. actually no. go for the strength because he's going to buy into what you're doing far more. If you let him know, I see that strength in you, sweetie. I, I value that you like to tinker. My gosh, you're incredible at those quarantine gift bags. Oh, thank you for being so empathetic. Go for that. And then keep in the back of your mind, what's the one area he needs to work on? Thrivers, there are 300 ideas and every idea is grade level. So Love go it. to the age of your kid and the strength that he needs to work on a little more. Choose one and ideally start with just weaving it in. So your family is doing it, not the one kid. Yeah. Your family is doing it because actually... The best way to teach any of these skills is by showing it, not telling it. So you model it yourself and, and find other ways. Here's the other thing is one prompt. A mother said, I was really worried that my son's empathy was kind of low. And I was trying to get him to do a service project. My big mistake was I've always been trying to do it based on what the college resume looked like and what was good. But I listened a little more and discovered he was worried about homelessness. So I said, okay, let's do a homeless shelter project, but he ain't going to do this just with me. I decided to do something really sneaky. I became best friends with his girlfriend's mother. And that's <laughs> what I did. <laughs> I love this. She said, I did homelessness. I found the shelter. I said, hey, let's go do the homeless shelter thing together with the girlfriend, the mother, we did it together. Now, all of a sudden I got amazing buy-in with my son. Yeah. And I interviewed the kid. He said, it was amazing. After he'd graduated, he said, here's what my mother did. It was pretty darn sneaky. If you know what? I went away to college. It was the best experience I've ever done in my life because I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't been for my girlfriend and doing it all together. But the other amazing thing happened is I didn't realize how much I love my mom because I went away to college and you know what? Aww. She's still working at the same homeless shelter. I got her buying into it. She's doing it too. I come home at Christmas and we still work it together. It's become our thing, Aww. but it Aww. was driven by the kid knowing yeah. how to go in the back door. Maybe it's finding a couple of like-minded peer friends to do mm -hmm. together. And we're in tears again. <laughs> but these are hopeful and happy tears because yeah. I don't think that I necessarily accounted for how 
I'm still grappling with how heavy the pandemic and all this has been on me and on all of us as parents. And so listeners, you can hear Michelle's enthusiasm in her voice. You can hear her passion. And this is so possible, not overnight, but it is so possible. Michelle has been all around the world. She has worked with people all around the country. This is what is possible for you, for your son, for me, for my sons. And look at the difference we can make in the world at large, frankly, by just seeing, loving, and being with our sons. Oh, Oh. <laughs> Michelle, oh. tell, tell our listeners where they can find you. And of course, your book is As available. I stop crying. Golly, I, I saw my way through. I'm going to, you guys are so fun. I'm going to need an leave by the time I get off of this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm michelleborba.com. This is real easy. I'm a 1L Michelle and Borba rhymes with Zorba. So there you go, michelleborba.com. <laughs> links are going to be in the show notes. You know, I'm going to have links to um, Thrivers. Also, when you go to Michelle's website, she's written a number of other excellent books as well. So you've got a whole parenting library there for you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll just sit and look at each other a little bit, and, you know, share some oh, empathy. Gosh, guys. Yeah, this has been fabulous, Michelle. Thank you so, oh, so much for your... You enthusiasm and your wisdom oh no this was a joy and a half it was like (laughs) I I, you know I just wish you were all sitting around right now but I feel like you're right next to me like coffee 101 would you stay in touch it was really yes would love to our brains are in sync I love your mission I love what you're doing and by gosh thank you thank you Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, just just out of curiosity, Michelle, how old are your boys now? They're in their early 30s, and I finally got a first grandson. Oh, yeah. Oh, Charlie, he's just wonderful. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> oh, my God, I talked to Charlie. Unfortunately, my, my oldest one is, a, uh, he's an executive producer for Disney. He always wrote stories at starting at age five, and my dad said, age five, don't ever stop helping this kid learn stories. He's going to be a storyteller. So I'm saying this as he's up in Vancouver. But Charlie calls. We talk for an hour. Oh, oh, I love it. Just at age two. And the stuff we talk about is so fun. <laughs> so little Charlie's a storyteller as well at age oh, two, it Charlie sounds like. A, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's why I'm talking to him for an hour. Go call him Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said bring the grandparents into it. So there oh, you are. I think grandparents. I think that's the lost commodity because... You know, when I talk to grandparents, they're just so buying into this. You guys, you're wonderful. Oh, God, I got to go get a Kleenex. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Super fun conversation with Dr. Michelle Borba. If you liked this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget vitamins for your kids. HiaHealth.com and use the coupon code onboys at checkout. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. And together, we are the On Boys Parenting Podcast. (laughs) 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.